This week, three sides of the coin, it's MTV's The Real World. No, it's Kiss The Real World. No, it's Andre Como from MTV's The Real World and massive Kiss fan. Lots of creatures talk. You're going to like it. Lots of Vinny talk. You're going to hate it. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things Kiss. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Again, two of us, three of us, two of us, three of us, two of us. Uh, I can't keep up with the changing of the guard during this week's episode. But the two that matter start. And the two that matter end. That's all it's ever been, isn't that's it? All it's, that's all it's ever mattered. <laughs> um, so um, before we get into this week's guest, we are recording this on Tuesday, October 6th. And I think based on my shirt, Mark's shirt, my background image. And I even, I even dug these out. I'm so glad I didn't get rid of them. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passed away from cancer today and horrible, you know, I don't think it's quite hit me yet. It just, this one, this one hurt you. This is good. This one, this one one is going to really, once it settles, is going to really hurt. It's just, it is. I mean, it's Eddie Van Halen for God's sake. You know, it's funny because I was talking about, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I was talking about, you know, these are these are things I bought at Cobo Hall. You know what I mean? I still have them, all these well, this, all I'm, years later. You know, this. I have that little, shirt. It's a, li- it's a little tight, but this is my original 1981. And this is, I have that shirt and I bought, this is the tour book foot that goes with that shirt. Yep. It, it's, it's. I'm surprised it still fits me, but I pulled it out. I actually had a Kiss t-shirt in rotation today, and I'm like, no, we're breaking the rotation. We got to uh, show some respect and love to the Now this, this was the tour, baby. Yeah, I didn't see that one. 81 was my first, well, 81 was my first and only Van Halen tour, and I cannot say I'm, there's no disappointment in that being my only Van Halen. I was so lucky because they were, I mean, they came to Detroit every tour. They played. They usually played multiple. Look at look at these great shots, of Eddie. Yeah, just fucking sweet, eh? I mean, if 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 you didn't get to see Van Halen in their prime in the early '80s, uh, late '70s, you missed something so magical. I mean. And, and not to take away from the entire band, but David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen on stage together when they were when they were in their prime, nobody in any nope. band could approach those two. There was I, not another duo, and I, you know, and we're on a Kiss podcast. Not Ace Fraley and P, and Paul Stanley, not Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. Holy crap. From from about 78 through 84. It, you, you, look, I, I know I, 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 I was fortunate. I saw, you know, the first time I saw Van Halen was 1980. And I saw them through, you know, till Dave left. And I did, and I, look, I'm not going to get in the whole debate about, I did, 
again, this is the whole timeline thing. I started seeing Van Halen on the, on the Women and Children First tour. I was already a fan. They were, again, much like, much like Kiss. Detroit was prime real estate for Van Halen. They were huge here, right out of the fucking gate. That first record got shitloads of airplay here. And they were very, very popular. Again, multiple nights at Kobo. Um, and I, you know, again, I, Van Halen, you know, I've told the story in this show about having unmasked on one side of my cassette and yeah. women and children first on the other. And no, There's we no never comparison. No yeah. comparison. Yeah. So, you know, that was it. Van Halen at that point. And let's face it. We've used that as, as, as we've used Van Halen on this show whenever we talk about the elder and whenever we talk about unmasked and what was going on then, because Van Halen was, whereas kiss used to be the, you know, the example. Well, now it was Van Halen for American hard rock. You I mean, know? Just look, 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 look at, look at this, this background image. This is from the 1981 tour. I mean, this was just in, in an arena packed every single seat sold out. I swear to God, every one of those speakers was live and playing because it was so freaking loud. Uh, you know, you there, there's just not a, at that time, nobody could touch a Van Halen show. Nobody. I mean, by the I, way, that's why Kiss couldn't notice. Do you notice a little bit of the revenge idea where that came from, the yeah. staging? Right there, right yep. behind Mike. Yep, all those. That's all where they topped it from. But man, David Lee Roth on that tour, he was as limber as he, he could be. He was jumping and his leg splits. Oh my God. Eddie Van Halen was just on fire. You know, we're just, you know, it's sad though. The, there's not going to be any more. Van Halen music. It, it, I was thinking oh. about this today. Do you remember? And, and if and it would be just an easy Google check, but if we go back to the fall of last year, before we found out Dave was going to be the opener for Kiss, there was a because there was rumor that you know they were going to do a tour with Michael Anthony, and Michael Anthony even talked about it on Stern, and then and Roth came out and said it's over. It's over. They told me I could do whatever I wanted. They yep. knew then. Yeah. They yep. knew that, that that diagnosis was not good. Um, you know. So yeah, I mean, just break. Look, Van Halen. If you would have asked me in 1981, who's my favorite band? I wouldn't have been as surprised to see that coming out of my lips. You know, oh, yeah. um, betraying their costumes, Crusaders. But Van Halen was huge to me. Huge. Um, absolutely love them. Um, you know, uh, like I was saying earlier though, you know, I, when I saw them, you know, the whole timeline thing, when I saw them with, with, with Hagar, cause I saw that, that first tour with, that was a 5150 and I, I'm like, this isn't the band that I fell in love with, you know? So I, I stopped going, I mean, look, yeah, they, they made some good songs and stuff, but my whole point in all that was that classic 78 through 84 year can never be recreated. I mean, it was much like that. All, you know, they say a picture tells a thousand words that picture behind Michael says, says it all. Well, That's you know, and, 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 and I, and I've repeated this before. I mean, 
this was my first and only Van Halen concert. And I chose not to go to reunited Van Halen because this picture behind me is what is melted into my mind as Van Halen. The, the, the sound, the craziness, the over the top, the huge everything. And I knew they, they just couldn't live up to that because they're just much older. I mean, let's just be simple. I mean, David Lee Roth himself can't run around and do the splits and jump off drum risers and all that stuff anymore. I wanted this behind me to be what I always think of as Van Halen. And um, maybe, maybe I should have gone to see him. I don't know. But I, I'm not disappointed that this, this is my memory of Van Halen. And, you know, nothing, like I said, it's melted in my brain. That, that, well, that, as a matter of fact, I think, I think this is my 07 shirt. And then I saw him again when we were with Roth on the 12th. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was uh, for the last record, which, again, I brought up on the show the the last record they did in 2012, um, you know, with a, some kind of different kind of truth or whatever, that album's incredible. Just absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. So, um, you know, Godspeed, Eddie Van Halen, you were. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, we've, we've said this before. <laughs> this just really brings it home. Stop quarreling and fighting about who's in a band who's not in a band who you like who you're supposed to like who you're not supposed to like if they're still here you can go see them go see them if that's what you want because it's become, once it's gone it's gone it's become i mean you know i was you know one of my first thoughts was oh you know it's eddie van halen this is starting to get close to kiss yeah, that crossed my mind. I, um, I don't want too. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that, but it's becoming a reality. Yeah. I mean, you know, Neil from Rush and now Eddie Van Halen and you know, even Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. I mean, it's just these musicians we grew up with that were there year after year for us with music and tours, they're not anymore. And remember, KISS fans, if you love the guitar solo in Christine 16, all Ace did was copy Eddie off the original demo. Yep. Little, so, little KISS. Uh, you know, tit, tit, I, let, let, let's all tip our hats to Eddie Van Halen. We don't have to talk about how big of an influence he was because that's a given. I think to some extent calling him a legend, that, that's not even big enough. I mean, he's more than just a legend. Game changer. Game changer. Groundbreaking. Yep. Um, nobody's ever approached what he did. No, that game. was the last seismic shift in guitar playing because literally five years later, everybody was playing like that. Now you're going to get guys that could play faster and took his technique, and but it was his technique. I mean, were other guys tapping? Yeah, I always tell people, go listen to the guitar solo and Hellbent for Leather and, you know, even some early uh, uh, Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top, but no one did it like him. Yep. I mean, everybody took what Eddie and, did. And, 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 and you know what I, what I liked about Eddie is he made it just look so 
easy and natural. There's, there's other guitar players who, when you watch them do it, you're like, oh my God, you are just working so hard at that. You know, it, it seemed like Eddie was just like, yeah, okay, what? Huh? You know, <laughs> and, and you're just like, how, how, how do you do that without even trying? Amen. Like I said, uh, certainly uh, going to be missed. Incredible. Yep. So, um, yeah, hats off to Eddie Van Halen, who passed away today. What was he? 65, too. He's you know, I was thinking about that, too, because my, my mother passed when she was 62. And I just remember how young I felt, you know, she was at the time. And, you know, Eddie just, you know, three years, you know, in lifespan different. I'm like, that is just because I'm 55. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 50, I'm, I'm 56. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to, the, to that 65 than I'm not. So Yeah, and that's what I'm like, man. I mean, geez, that's scary stuff, man. So anyways, let's get to some good stuff. We yeah. had a great guest today. Yeah, we do. We have, uh, you're going to probably at first go, what the hell is this show about? And why is it on, on, on a KISS podcast? But this is actually really cool, as Mark said. We're joined by um, Andre Como, who, if you really go back in time, he was on a groundbreaking TV show in 1992. He was on season one of MTV's The Real World, which kind of is the very first reality TV show ever. He was one of the one of the stars of MTV's Real World. Now, that's not why he's here. He happens to be a huge Kiss fan, and we have a conversation that will attest to that. Starting right out of the gate, he and Mark were at the same Creatures of the Night show at Cobo Hall. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, it sounds like we're at a few shows few together. <laughs> he, yep. was, uh, he was from the, the, the Detroit area. And let me tell you, guys, great kiss talk today. Right out of the gate, like Michael says, tons of creatures, lick it up, you know, metal, rock and roll. This is, you're going to really like this one. So if you, like Michael said, if you went, who is this guy? I don't know. As soon as, you know, sit, let sit, it drift sit, into sit, 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 like well, we'll get you right into Kiss Talk right away. We do a lot of talk about Vinnie Vincent, too, because Andre's a big Vinnie Vincent fan. And we don't hold that against him. And he, of course, answers the question that we ask everybody. So you got to stick the to question that. that. And he nails it, of course. Yep. Well, he nailed it for Mark. But, uh, yeah, uh, this was a fun discussion amongst Kiss fans. He even... If, if you did watch The Real World, and I remember watching that first season, he spent some time with us talking about being on The Real World and what it was like and being a reality star and how, you know, would, I asked him, and I won't tell you what he said, but I asked him, knowing what he knows now, would he go back and do it again? So let it roll. Andre Como, MTV's The Real World. Uh, as well as his own music, as well as a Kiss tribute band, as well as a Kiss fan. This is a fun, fun discussion. Let it roll. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. 
Three Sides world, we are really honored to welcome Andre Como to Three Sides of the Coin this week. Andre is a musician, singer, songwriter, guitarist. We're not going to hold this against you, but we're definitely going to bring it up. And a Vinnie Vincent fan, um, <laughs> who's, who's well known for his 90s band Rain Dance and as a cast member of the very first season of MTV's The Real World. Andre is originally from Detroit. So I guess Mark and Andre got a little bit something they can talk about here. And his first Kiss show was 1983, Creatures of the Night, Cobo Hall. And we you were in performed a couple, you've also performed a couple KISS tribute shows as part of Sick Army, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. Kiss, Sick Army was a, was a parody, full makeup, full costume parody KISS band that fired Ace Freely on stage and brought up full makeup Vinnie Vincent on stage, <laughs> uh, as well as fired Peter Chris and brought up full makeup uh, Eric Singer on stage oh. in Peter Chris makeup. <laughs> that's playing with fire man <laughs> well you know what's really funny is that eric singer was in was at the show um so it was and 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 enjoyed it a great deal we got a chance to meet him and talk with him after so the show. so so did you did you play the vinnie vincent in makeup that was brought on stage no 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 i'm paul i was uh, <laughs> i'm all paul man that's uh Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 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 let let's go back to the 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 common point here. Nineteen eighty three, Cobo Hall. You you and 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 Mark, or for those viewers out there who probably can't see it, Mark's going by the name Clyde Torres today. In case anybody's <laughs> interested, um, you and Mark were at that same creature show at Cobo Hall. Come on, guys, what? talk about it. One with, of with about Wendy well, two of about five thousand other people in a fifteen thousand seat arena. It was uh, pretty sparsely attended, but uh, what a hell of a show! It was amazing. I mean, that was still my favorite Kiss show out of the two hundred plus I've seen. That was my favorite one, and I, I think the reason why is the last time I'd seen them live was the Dynasty tour at the Silverdome. And, you know, that was Super Kiss, Gene with the Big Red Cape. And I, I actually had floor seats for that, too. I wasn't, I was probably about 20 rows back at, at the Silverdome. But for the Kobo show, I was like in the first couple of rows. Cool. And Gene, I thought, was going to eat everybody. I mean, he, he came out, man. They had the, he had the spiked, uh, those spiked boots on and. Man, that was just, a, it was loud. And he was, he, was, he was so dangerous on that tour, wasn't he? I was oh, just going yeah. to use the exact same word, dangerous. They were absolutely ferocious. Uh, it, was, uh, it was incredibly uh, 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 impactful, dangerous, just monstrous. They were, they were awesome. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, I use that one all the time. Um, but, you know, like I said, I saw the original band in the 70s. But <clears throat> when I seen, you know, I've seen, again, I've seen 200 shows. But none more, the band just won. I don't know what it was. I mean, they just, I'm glad you, because I've, I've had a few other friends who were at that show too, and they all agree with me. They're like, there was just something about that night where, I, here, here's what I personally think it is. You know, if you do the, the KISS timeline, you know, 
in 76, they played three nights at Kobo. It's 77, you know, they played three nights in Kobo. 78, they played at Olympia. 79, they played at the Silverdome. And they tour for a and here they are. They didn't sell out Kobo, but they were they knew they had to come back and kick ass and win the fans back. And I, that's exactly what they did. I, I don't you know I don't know how any other way to put it. That show February twenty third at Kobo Hall was just fucking ferocious, and still the greatest Kiss show I've ever seen. And you know, that's how come that was. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I, I, I said this on the show years ago. I said, no Ace, no Peter, no problem. I said that when I left the show because I couldn't believe just how much better they were than when I'd seen them just a couple years earlier last time they were in Detroit. This was Kiss. I mean, but it, it, it was and it wasn't the original members, but. Boy, oh boy, they kicked some ass that night, man. That was just, and it was loud. That was just such yeah, a great, so great. You know, they, I, I really have to, um, I, I really have to give the credit to um, Eric Carr. I think he brought a level of uh, uh, just, uh, they, they took them to a new plateau of, of rock and set, set the template for them for the next, you know, 20 years. They, they really became, you know, my friends and I like to say that they, they really became sort of, you know, a metal band at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they really did uh, um, uh, set a new standard for themselves. And Eric Carr's drumming, the tempos were much faster to the, to the older Kiss songs. And they were playing with, a, with an energy that, that uh, they just were lacking um, with the original members. I think that... Uh, you know, I think that Eric Carr was uh, was an incredible drummer, and he brought a, an energy to the band that that they that they didn't have. I also think that, you know, with Vinnie Vincent, um, I, I I say this a lot lately because you know, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the original members. You know, it's the you know th those those albums are untouchable, but I think um, Vinnie Vincent doesn't get the credit that that he deserves in in you know, reinvigorating them and, and creating a, a, an environment where they, they were able to uh, reinvent themselves um, in, a, in, a, in a very new and exciting way. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure that he gets the credit. And I'm not sure that, you know, the band themselves give him any of his due credit, mm -hmm. because I, I really think that he was an integral member of that, of that, uh, of the band at the time. And, and, Without him, I, I don't think that they would have um, that they would have come back anywhere near as strong as they did. But but you know, and 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 this is great getting straight into the Vinny conversations because that's the beauty of this podcast is we've all got very I shouldn't say all of us because Tommy and I are sort of on the same Vinny boat. Mark Mark likes Vinny a lot more. Um, you know, Gene and Paul. When you look back then they knew they had to reinvent kiss and this was even even before they started recording creatures they knew going into creatures that they had went off the rails completely from dynasty to unmasked to the elder and basically the label even told them you got to come back as kiss the band we've all known and loved and so even before Vinny was in the band, that direction and tone was already being set, that it was going to be 
heavy. They were going to rock their balls off, basically. Um, and, and we now know, looking back, Creatures of the Night had multiple guitar players on it multiple guitar players on it now and and i'm not saying this to take anything away from Vinny because i will say and i've always said Vinny is an incredible songwriter the songs he has written are fantastic fantastic um, i'm not a fan of his his bumblebee guitar playing that specially came out post kiss at least in kiss we now know that gene and paul were kind of fighting hard to restrain him and keep him a little bit under control. But he did bring that new, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy because today, I mean, if you see, we're recording this just hours after the word came out that Eddie Van Halen has passed away. Um, but Vinnie Vincent brought that new guitar sound to kiss. But my, well, question, my question is, if it wasn't Vinny, don't you think it would have been somebody else? It, I mean, they, they, I mean they, they auditioned so many people, and I have a feeling they would have just found somebody else who also played that way. They wouldn't have been great songwriters. They wouldn't have been at Vinny's level for writing songs. I think that's what it all is, though. It's all songwriting. I mean, that's why I like Kiss, because Paul Stanley's songwriting. And um, the, uh, it's, it's song, it's, the whole point of it is songs. And, and, and to answer your question, would they have, you know, would they have uh, just gotten another guitar player and done the same? Well, they did. And his name was Mark St. John. And, exactly. Uh, and, it's, and it's not very memorable. His stuff, uh, in my opinion, his solos are not very memorable. And, uh, and they're, you know, quite forgettable. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from um, Bruce Kulick or any of those guys, even Bob Kulick. Um, you know, I, I listen to Ace and some of Ace's stuff is am just amazing. Ace was a, a, a very innovative guitar player who had style, you know, to spare. But I, I hear Vinny's stuff and there's just something, yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. I, I don't like anything he ever did post-Kiss, anything, not, not the Slaughter Band, any of, the, any of the, the Vinny Vincent Invasion, none of it. None of it appeals to me. But what he did in the confines of Kiss was um, uh, I, uh, really, it, it just it, took them to a whole new level. It, it does seem like if, you know, and again, we can all look back now and we know it was never going to work out between Gene, Paul, and Vinny because, you know, Gene and Paul were the stars of the band and Vinny wanted to be the star of the band and that was never going to happen. That's why, let's be honest, that's why Bruce fit in so well. Bruce had no desire to take the spotlight away from Gene and Paul. Vinny did. Not a songwriter. Not a songwriter. Right. I mean, I think that he, he, uh, he just he just Bruce fit just fit with what Kiss needed, but but yeah, Vinny, you know, in Kiss, if they could have figured out how to keep going forward and restrain him, I guess that's the best word I can come up with. He should have been um, able to restrain himself. Well, that's that's the thing. He should have been smart enough to know. Holy crap, I'm in an incredible band here, incredible legacy, incredible opportunities. Maybe I got to 
play the game if I want to do this? Because, you know, prior to KISS, did anybody know of Vinnie Vincent? Nope. After well, KISS, did we? Same? Did we? Yes, we did because of KISS. But couldn't you make the same argument about Eddie Van Halen that maybe Roth had a lot to do with the way everything kind of shaped up? I believe Ted Templeman pointed that out. Yeah. That, you know, um, I, I want to take the conversation back a little bit and put it in Not timeline perspective. No. Okay. Put it in timeline perspective of that time around 82, 83. You know, uh, I, I, I made a post a little bit ago, you know, my little tip of the hat to, uh, to Eddie Van Halen. And, you know, I saw those great shows at Kobo. But that's what I'm getting at. And, you know, I was 15 in 1980, you know, 17 and 82. Um, I saw at Kobo, and this is where the guitar player thing comes into it. You know, I saw Van Halen multiple times. I saw Randy Rhodes with Ozzy. I saw... Uh, Iron Maiden open for Judas Priest and kiss and creatures. And, and you know what? It, it all works. Yep. If you're a kid that liked loud, heavy music, every one of those worked. And here's where I'm kind of in. This is part of the kiss discussion had kissed toward with the elder with ACE with the no platform boots with the Paul with it looks like he's wearing his aunt's jewelry around his neck and you know what I mean tried to pull off that well of iniquity sorry sorry it would a kiss would not have met you know matched with Ozzy and Van Halen you know in those gigs it, it wouldn't have worked I'm sorry it, it when kiss came back for creatures they went ah fuck we better go back and do what we do best and they did it in spades and, uh, you know, our guest and I both fucking witnessed it nice, as you guys did when it, when the tour hit Minnesota. It was a, a <laughs> the creature's tour for you poor bastards who didn't get to go. I feel sorry for you because that, that was at least the show I saw. That was one hungry bunch of guys well, out yeah, there. And, and, and you know, and, and they had, they really kind of had to be hungry because they had such a heavy album. I mean, it, it, it can be debated, but Creatures of the Night very well could be the heaviest Kiss album they've recorded. I mean, it was clearly very heavy compared to everything prior to that. Nothing even approached that heaviness. And so they've got this incredibly heavy, hard, angry album. And then they've got this stage, which is just a beast. It's a tank. And, you know, it's a quite simple stage. But it was so powerful in that simplicity that, you know, this giant turret with a big gun on it and, you know, it shoots and, and, and they had to live up to the, the heaviness of everything they were bringing to the table right then and there because they would have, you know, to Mark's point, if they didn't, they would have been laughed completely away i mean they were already on very thin ice as we know because all of us all four of us and all of our listeners all acknowledge the importance of creatures but if you think back nobody else outside of the kiss world was acknowledging creatures back then it was it was crickets yeah the well the image um the the, the image of and the and the album and the stage show it all it all combined in the in the perfect way to make that that uh, era of Kiss 
uh, so memorable. It all just, it, it all just, you know, met perfectly at the, at, at the right point. And uh, I feel very fortunate to have seen that, that show and that tour. And, 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 and let's, let's all, let's not, not forget, they had Wendy o. Williams and the Plasmatics opening for them. So they had to kick some serious ass because, you know, I remember watching the, the Plasmatics and I'm just kind of like, I knew who they were and I wasn't a big fan of them, but I was just watching it going, what the fuck am I watching here? This is absolutely crazy. How, 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 could, how could they have had the Plasmatics open and then come out with the Dynasty? It just would dynasty. Or, it wouldn't point. have worked. That's Mark's elder point. You yep. Know? Yep. It, it, it's yeah. Kiss was truly live as a live act. The contemporaries of those other bands, and when you think back to both Ozzy and Van Halen, you know you think back to 80, 80 through eighty three, eighty four as their as their um, you know pinnacle years or when they were the most hungry or they were the most innovative and kiss as i can tell you um I, it, because i saw the show and i saw the crowd reaction and let's face it um i, I don't know um, uh, andre what you know what shows you saw at kobo or whatever but I, I was at all those shows and the the crowd i guarantee most of those kids who are my age also saw Ozzy and Van Halen and Judas Priest and those other shows as well. And we all came back and I don't remember anyone, you know, leaving the kiss show going, Oh boy, you know, that was, that was a kiddie band. That or was that a was, letdown. No. Yeah. yeah, no, no. And it, that's the nice thing to this day. Everybody, I, the people who have seen that show, we all kind of have that common bond because everybody goes, fuck, that was special. You know, that was, so very lucky to see that tour so and 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 i i i would say at least from my experience the creatures tour is probably the top tour that when i talk to kiss fans who say what tour would you like to go back and see kiss at it's usually a toss-up between love gun and creatures but i think creatures gets probably a bit more tip of the hat to it just because it was so under the radar i mean it wasn't all i mean kiss for that love gun tour they were everywhere that that's they were peak they were huge they were super kiss the kings of the world creatures of the night like i said if you weren't a diehard kiss fan you didn't even know it was right. going on right but we all heard creatures you know the album by the time they got to detroit had already been out for a few months we were all excited um, I don't know about you. See, I knew I already knew Ace was gone. Um, did, when you got there, because I've, I've talked to a couple other fans, like w w it, when you got there, did you know that Vinny was going to be the guitar player? I did not. I was unaware. Because I knew, and it was also in the ads, if you remember. Um, matter of fact, one of the ads I supplied to Gene's Vault uh, project is the is the Kobo ad, and you can see Vinny's in the Kobo ad. So I knew. Plus, you know what? I was really, by that point, I was full on, you know, do you remember Sam's Jams? Yeah, sure. Yeah, in, in uh, Ferndale. Mm -hmm. um, I, used to, I used to make sure I went over there to get Kerrang! because that magazine talked about Kiss, you know. 
But I, by that point, I was reading and collecting anything I could. So, you know, when the Wiz thing, Vinny the Wiz came out, that's because that's what they called him. Yeah. Um, you know, I was on top of it and I was excited. And I, what I thought was cool, too, at the time was he was playing a Jackson guitar. And by that point, I think maybe only Randy Rhodes was the only other one I'd seen i ever seen play that kind of guitar. And he did the whole bow thing and, you know, like Jimmy Page did. It was, God, I, I just smiling ear to ear just thinking what a great night that was man <laughs> yeah he was a real guitar hero Vinnie Vincent a real guitar god like uh in, in the in the vein of Randy Rhodes and you know I mean um a lot of people were so heavily influenced by Eddie Van Halen um but I always found Vinnie to be a lot more influenced by Randy's sound and his style um and I think that's you know kind of the reason that uh I gravitate uh towards uh you know and and uh and his whole thing is much more uh in the vein of of classically influenced randy Rhodes style and he played one of Rand, you know he played the the randy Rhodes jackson as well i just wish Vinny, on his own had the self-control to not overtake the song itself it it, it feels like to me that's what he wants to do is he wants to shine over the song. And, you know, and, and we say this all the time on the show, all that matters is the song. At the end of the day, it's the song that matters. It doesn't matter who played guitar, who wrote it. If it's a great song, it's a great song. And, and I think at least Gene and Paul were able to do a little bit to try and restrain that. But, yeah, once he got out of Kiss, it – especially when you would listen to the Vinnie Vince invasion stuff, you're like, okay, this song's going good. And then all of a sudden the guitar solo blows up. And you're just like, what the hell? This does, it brings nothing to the song itself. Clearly his ego is his worst enemy. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. He wanted, he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be seen as Randy Rhodes. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to be the contemporary, um, to, to, uh, but it, it was so inorganic how he tried to do, he, he really did try from his look. It was so manufactured that it just didn't come out honest, you know, in the long run. Now, again, you know, when he was in kiss and, and I'm with you, um, both you guys, uh, and I'm assuming Tommy as well. Um, I, I've said it publicly many times on, on the show. I don't like the Vinnie Vincent invasion. I didn't follow that stuff. But when he was in Kiss, I thought he was special. Um, you know, I saw the following year was almost to the day because I think um, the Creatures show was February 23rd here in, at Cobo. And I think in 84, it was February 17th or 18th at Cobo. So it was almost a year to the day. And they're using the same stage. And Vinny's up there. And, and, and again, that was another great show. Great show. Um, you know, the Lick It Up tour. Um, Vinny was, he fit, in my opinion, he fitted very, very well with Kiss. And I think part of it too, other than Rhodes, uh, which was obviously a, a you know, because by then Randy had been uh, passed, uh, you know, for a couple of years. But also, there was a, quite a bit of Jeff Beck in his playing too, which is another reason why I think Gene liked him. Um, his tremolo use, um, very kind of Jeff Beck-ish uh, in, in, in some ways. But, you know, Vinny fit, and you're right, Michael, I, 
it's too bad that Gene and Paul had to corral him in. If he had any sort of self-discipline, I, I think we're writing a different chapter in his Kiss legacy. If he had self-discipline, oh, God. he had the songwriting chops and he had the talent. Another thing, though, too, is because the 80s were so, you know, so looks important. You look like hell without the makeup on. He did. He looked terrible. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. If 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 Vinny could have just put a little self discipline in, the entire chapter of Kiss in the '80s could be completely different. Because again, we we know from his songwriting how great the songs were on Creatures, Lick It Up, and what he contributed to to Revenge. Great songs. Great songs. Great. Could you imagine if we had those incredible songs every album through the 80s? They, they certainly wouldn't have got been so, you know, lost. They, they they, got yeah, lost. They, may, they may not have chased trends as much. Exactly, exactly. You know, if, if you look, and this is real, I, I, I still find these pictures hard to look at. Those live Lick It Up shows where they're wearing rouge and, oh, my God, they look – at that point, they just should have kept the fucking makeup on. They look fucking ridiculous. They look like hookers. Yeah, bad ones. <laughs> bad ones. Especially Gene. Gene, though. Yeah, gay hookers. Shameful. Shameful. Well, you, you know, and I was, I was going to bring that up. So, you know, you – as KISS fans were coming out of the Creatures Tour, which we were all like just minds blown. There was nothing wrong with the Creatures Tour. Great album, great stage, great presence, great attitude. Everything you loved was there. And then Lick It Up shows up. And for me, it was like, okay, I loved the album. It was a great album. But it was so disappointing to see the same stage a year later because now, again, I, 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 I have to remove myself and go, okay, most of the people going to lick it up probably didn't go to the Creatures Tour. So it was That's new it. to them. That's but it. But for me, it was such a limp moment. It was just like, <laughs> holy crap, I saw this incredible stage with four angry guys a year ago that just ruled it. Bigger and than that, life. And, that, and now, you know. Now I'm looking at this same stage and there's four, hooker, there's, there's four hookers running around on stage. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them, Gene, is so incredibly lost without makeup and costume that he doesn't even know what he should be doing. Should I be acting like the demon out of makeup? Should I not be? At least Paul was acting like Paul. And we, we pretty much got that even on the Creatures Tour because you could tell, I mean, he's coming out there in a, cut off t-shirt now all of a sudden so he's really pretty much just like a rock star on the creatures tour of just a t-shirt and spandex yeah he's got the makeup and the big boots on but for paul taking the makeup off was just like no big deal i think i think gene as we all now know he, he couldn't deal with that if i if i remember correctly because i remember being kind of like wow I mean, I knew they didn't have their makeup on and everything, but I think Gene just wore a cut-off, lick-it-up tour sweatshirt. Yeah, he was you know, wearing he, that. And uh, I think that's what he wore here. I, he, I, he I was wearing, he's wearing his elder boots. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was something, yeah, something like that. But I just remember going, 
I mean, it didn't look very demon-like. No. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, he didn't look was, very rock and roll-like, demon-like. Right, he didn't look anything. Because, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, does Gene have a real fashion sense about him? I don't know. Paul's well, got Holly a fashion sense. Blue shirt throughout the entire nineties. <laughs> yeah, that's the same denim blue shirt. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, funny side story to that. It was during the farewell tour when I was working with them that he would always go to the merch guy and have the merch guy give him a clean denim kiss road crew t-shirt that were selling at the stands but he'd get a clean one from the merch guy because he'd wear that um at least paul though you know paul's got a fashion sense whether you like it or not at least paul's got an eye for fashion um vinnie i i don't know i mean he was so unknown at the time and you know he was probably just being told what to wear and told what to do and eric was probably pretty much the same way just being told this is what you're going to do um that lick it up tour was just a mess it's just a mess i, I enjoyed that, that. that was great oh i loved it i was plus i think here in detroit i think we had vandenberg and i want to say heaven that's right exactly right vandenberg yeah and yeah and it was a great show you know um, I really enjoyed that show. Matter of fact, I had great tier A seats. If you remember those, I had tier A straight back. Those great. <laughs> yeah, I was on the main floor for that one. Yeah. So they were they were just a great band at that time. I think that the you know Eric Carr was bringing it. Um, the tempos were really fast, um, but I like that personally. I I I think that brings an energy to to the live um, set as opposed to the anemic tempos that they're playing. You know, like now. Uh, the tempos are just so slow. Um, I kind of enjoy the 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 faster tempo that that kicks up the energy a lot. Um, and you know maybe the set list I could I could have done without hearing cold gin every night. I'll tell you that much. Um, but uh, you know I, I I really did like the uh, the newer songs in the set list. I love the set list of the Creatures tour as well. Um, but again I, I would have liked to have heard more of the of the newer stuff, I, 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 I'm, I'm still looking, you know, around on like YouTube for. Uh, I, I can't believe that they never played "Danger" off of the Creatures of the Night album live. Um, no, never. Never. I can't believe it. It's such a great song. It's, uh, it seems like such a no-brainer that they would have played that live, but can't find it anywhere. And uh, great shuffle. That drum pattern is awesome. So great. And another one uh, uh, off of "Lick It Up," a million to one can't find that anywhere either you know did they ever play that live i, I, I don't didn't know. they play that acoustically at some of the or parts of it at, at some yeah. of the unplugged shows in 95 i think yeah, yeah i mean yeah. let's face it you know some of those songs they just although um i think overall lick it up i think five songs total during the tour so half the record made the set list at some point so which that wasn't cool. too I shabby. Like when a band promotes their new album heavily i think that you know especially a good album should be promoted i i'm always more interested to hear what they're doing you know the, the new stuff than to just rehash the old songs that we've all heard I'm, I'm with you i i tell you what i remember a few years back when monster came out at the kiss cruise they, they played a, I don't know, at least four songs off of that i was 
really, really happy. I'm I'm one of those crazy fans. I'm like you, man. I, I like when the band, you know, gives us a good chunk of the new record. I that's why I'm there, you know. That's right. Um, there's very few bands that are brave enough to do it. Iron Maiden is is religious about it. I it I remember great. I can't remember the two was it was the one with the uh, oh Christ I can't think of the the tour. Was the army one? Uh, fuck. Power slave. No, 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 no. This is this is in the two thousands. Oh. Um, but anyways, they they played the basically they played the whole record. And yeah. played, but that's cool. That's that's what I I if look if you're gonna put a new record out, promote it. I again, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, but matters you know speaking of uh, you know today's events with Eddie when when uh, I saw them on the tour uh, for. Uh, their last all or you know um you know they they did they, they did some new songs off that i i, I dig that I, I always have you know I, that, that I was what was to... that was what was cool about kiss during the 80s on those tours is first of all you know we've talked about this a lot you almost knew year after year there was always gonna be a new kiss tour next year and there was always gonna be a new kiss album it was just a given you didn't even question that it wasn't going to happen but you pretty much came to expect that when that tour happens you're going to get at least three songs off the new album every tour now you know or as we all know for a lot of bands early in the tour they're playing more songs and they start dropping them as they feel like they don't work but you still end up with on average, probably three new songs from an album. And that was great because, you know, I keep, I keep thinking back. It's like, you know, we got to experience Kiss when they were an active recording band. That's something that new fans today can't understand you know, don't know what that really means. It's like, hey, okay, you could probably expect a KISS tour, but there's never going to be new KISS music year after year after year at this point in time. Well, the, by, by the way, that was a matter of life and death. By the, the, That was the Iron Maiden album where they played, I think they played the whole song, because I saw that tour. I think they played the whole album and then just threw like, you know, Run to the Hills and Number <laughs> the Beast at the end. But it was cool, you know. Um, wouldn't it, it, wouldn't it have been great if if the Creatures tour played the entire Creatures album and then threw in for an encore, like, three or four of the classic Kiss tunes, and that was it? Love it. But it that would have been great, but I tell you what, they they were trying to claw their way back. Yes. Then. So they, they had to – I, I got to admit, it's funny uh, – Something Andre said. I, what's what? I love hearing fucking Cold Gin. That's like one of my favorite songs. Live. Um, I guess you know, I, I'm glad. That, I only say that because it's an Ace Freely song, and he had just left the band. So why would you play one of the guys that just left the band's songs? It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I kind of get that, but you know, I, I've said that too, even about Vinnie Vincent. You know, to this day, I love it loud and lick it up are still in the you know, the current set list, as is, uh, you know, Parasite and and and, uh, and Cold Gin, you know, two Ace Freely tunes. So, you know, I, they're there for a reason. The fans like them. Yeah. But it can also work in reverse because I remember going to see Aerosmith get a grip and they played 
the first half of the record and everyone's just like, Oh Jesus, that was horrible. So you got to have the material before. It's got to be a great it. album and it's got to be great songs. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, so for Kiss fans, if they would have played all of Creatures, that would have been mind blowing for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if I would have been happy if they played all of Animal Eyes because at that point in time, the songwriting was really starting to, to get weak on Gene's part. Um, Asylum, I probably would have been a, happy for because that was uh to me an improvement over animalized crazy nights i absolutely love so i'd take the whole yeah. thing hot in the shade i'd be happy if they never played hot in the shade <laughs> right see there you go it can literally cut both ways depending yep. on the material on the record well if you look you know kiss did that at the beginning of the hot in the shade tour and even even a bit you could say because they played like king of the mountain um, on the Asylum tour, mm -hmm. I, mean, I think a date or two. Um, us Animalize, I know they played Into the Fire. I've had enough. They played that at least once or twice. They, did, fact, burn, they did Burn, Bitch, Burn once. Yeah, I think that's the show. Matter of fact, that's the show I think they opened up with I've Had Enough because that's a radio broadcast from overseas. Um, matter of fact, I, I think, I don't know if I brought this up and this is, we'll get off the second back on us. So we'll be right back. Peter, oh. Peter wants to come back on and, uh, and, uh, talk some bootlegs. And uh, I said, you know, that'd be a good idea. Cause we haven't done that in a long time, but that's a great example. You know, you go back and you hear how some of these songs sounded live and you're like, why didn't you keep that? That was cool. You know, that that's always the interesting part and this isn't unique to kiss because you hear all bands talk about it. it's like yeah we tried playing it and we just didn't feel it it didn't work for us and you know even though as the audience you might sit here and go well we love it we want to hear it but it's got to be the band they've got to feel it and like the song i mean for the longest time kiss always said flame and youth they love the song they tried playing it in the 70s. They didn't feel it. It didn't work. But then they eventually brought it back here in the 2000s. 2016 tour. It yeah. Was, uh, you know, they, they finally brought it back. So that's just one of those interesting things about being in a band, I guess, and performing live is we as fans will never know what does it take for you to feel that magic on stage that the song is working? You know, is it? I'm assuming it's obviously more than just you want the audience standing up. If the entire audience sits down and half of them go to pee, that's a bad sign right there. But what do you as a band got to feel out of that song to go, yeah, this new song works. You know, it's one, uh, which one I've, I've, I've I know I, I can't remember if they played it maybe you can uh, speak to this if they actually played it in Detroit, but I've definitely heard some bootlegs of them playing it on the Lick It Up tour was Exciter. Um, yes. Fantastic. I mean, that's one of the, the high points of the album and, and uh, the, the boots that I've heard of it are just phenomenal. Like, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think uh, Edinburgh, what's the name of that one? Yeah, I have those bootlegs too. Yeah, that's a good, again, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, that's a great song and it worked well live. You know, Very speaking much. of which, but this is what this is this is where you kind of got to go timeline too. Um, Kiss Cruise uh, was one of the last couple of Kiss Cruises. They played "I" off of the Elder, 
And I thought the ship was going to explode. There was so much excitement. I don't think the excitement would have generated that on the end of the road tour, because I don't think the people at the end of the road tour cared more. They wanted to hear calling Dr. Love and shout it out loud and rock and roll all night. And, and, and I think that's how come like, you know, we're on this crazy kiss podcast being Uber kiss geeks. We have to step outside of our timeline and step outside and go, you know what? The general public doesn't know what was on the elder. I, I, they, don't any even way, know, they don't even know the elder exists. <laughs> and, and if they, and if you sat down and t told them the, the legend of it or whatever, they would go, you know, <laughs> play Detroit rock city. They don't care. That's, I mean, that's geeky stuff, but you know, those are the types of fans. I'm one of them. You know, when we're on the cruise, when they fucking pulled, you know, that out of their hip pocket, we went crazy. And then when they did, uh, Oh, uh, Oh fuck. What's the matter of fact, it should have been on creatures and it didn't. It's my life. It's my life. You know, on the last cruise, that was just, I mean, I couldn't tell you just how excited I was. But again, had they played that on the end of the road tour, no one would have cared or very few people would have cared I, overall. I, you know, getting back to what I was saying, I wonder, Mark, when they played I, again, what, what did the, how did the band feel about it? Were they just doing it because they knew the fans were going to love it. And this is the kiss cruise for the fans and therefore we'll, we'll, we'll put up with it because we both, know, we know what Gene here. Both Tommy and Eric are the ones who bring all those cool songs. It's never for the it's most ne part. never. Judy. Right. Well, it's I was just going to say, Eric, though, this is what these crazies want to hear. Want to hear. I mean, we, we know what Paul says about the elder. I mean, left to his own, we'd probably never hear the elder anywhere if it was just left up to them. But I still wonder, you know, what was going through Paul's mind as they were performing I on stage? Was he cringing and fake smiling, you know, giving you that fake, hi, I love you. Yeah. Okay. This is great. Let's get this song over with, you know, what was going through their minds as they were doing something so obscure? Well, I listened to The Elder recently, and I was struck by um, something that's, you know, it's not, uh, it's very unusual for Kiss in that, you know, Paul's songs are simply not up to snuff. They're, they're not, he's not a, um, a, a, as large of a figure on that album as, uh, as other albums. And, and Gene's songs are much stronger on The Elder than, than some of the, you know, certainly some of the later 80s stuff. Um, so it's, but then I, you know, then I watched them on, you know, the, fr uh, on Fridays, the, the performance on Fridays and they brought it. I mean, they brought the, the, those performances of those songs are, are, are pretty great. Um, of the oath and I and world without heroes. I think they're, those are some pretty good performances of those songs. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a weird thing that Paul's input on the elder is so, I don't know, lacking. I don't, I don't think his songs are all, all that up there. My issue with things like The Elder is, is, you know, when you put something out, it's no longer yours because you release it and fans buy it, they listen to it, and they become attached to it and, and love it. 
just like they love many of your other songs. So I always thought that it was kind of, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but it's odd to me that, that, that people can hate some of their own material that much when you have people who have such a strong affinity for it. You got you to gotta wonder, if you hate it so much, why did you even release it? I mean, exactly. the, 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 you know, I, I tell artists I work with all the time, don't listen to what I tell you is a good or a bad song on the album you're releasing. You got to love it. It's your name on this for the rest of eternity. It's not my name. I, I'm not going to have to deal with the embarrassment, the questions, whatever it is. So, but, but you know, come, coming back to the elder, we also know that they were in a strange place. They were all of a sudden not worrying about the fans. They were worrying about pleasing critics. Um, so it's almost like from the outset, they knew they were recording an album that they weren't going to like. Yeah, but Mike, hold on. Let's let's. This is this is a, a, a what you the examples you just gave are good topics because of this. When you release music, you don't you're not going to know for a while whether it's really sticks with the fans. You you write what comes out of your heart, and you know that's when you sit back a couple years later, going, "Wow, the people who bought this really liked it," or the people who bought it, the few, there's a reason they didn't buy a lot of it because it wasn't very good. And if you think about it, the, 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 the release time between, you know, the elder and creatures um, is only, you know, a little over a year's time difference. But here we are in 2020. What's, what do people look back on with smiles and go, it's the creatures out. I mean, generally speaking, that's the one that stuck. And, and let's face it, Paul Stanley, is upset in some ways because he said this it's in his books and in interviews he thinks creatures is better than lick it up but lick it up got all the praise and sold way more records because of the marketing and the makeups off and everything but if you want to sit back honestly in 2020 and you put those records a b and and if you're just a general fan of hard rock and if you're honest you would go you know that creature's records better i think generally speaking if, if you're a fan who likes hard rock music not necessarily a kiss fan but if you a b those you'd go eh, i think that creature's thing's a little bit better don't you think that's probably what led to the creatures reissue in the 80s of like okay the music is great maybe if we release it without makeup people will pay attention to it now trying to get a little more juice out of it yeah yeah well because it, it got overlooked it got lost because people a lot of people checked out by that time you know I mean, I, 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 Andre, I, I, I've told this story before on the show, but I remember when, um, when, when Creatures and Lick It Up both came out, and I called our local in Minneapolis at the time where I was living, KQRS, and for Creatures, I'm like, yeah, can you play? Because KQRS brought Kiss was the presenting station for the concert. So I'm like, okay, you're presenting them. You must like them. Little did I know back then that that had nothing to do with it. Um, but I'm like, yeah, you know, the new Kiss album's out. Can you play I Love It Loud? Man, that's a great heavy song. And 
crickets, nothing, nothing, nothing. Year later, Lick It Up comes out and I call the station and I'm like, um, you know, who's, and, and this time I'm like playing a little stupid for the DJ. I'm like, man, who is that band that does that song, Lick It Up? Holy crap, that's a great song. And the DJ's like, oh, that's Kiss. They took their makeup off, man. Aren't they great now? And I'm just like, fuck you. Fuck you. You know, the album before Lick It Up is even better. Even better. Go listen to it. Oh, it's got makeup on the cover, so you won't listen to it. I mean, you know, what, what could have happened with Creatures if that was the album they took the makeup off? I don't think the timing was right. They didn't have MTV on their side at the time. I don't think, uh, I think that, you know, the reason that it, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why things succeed and why things don't and some things hit with the public. But we, but and, we know, we know, we know Paul wanted to take the makeup off as far back as creatures. I mean, we've, we've found indications really? even, even earlier than that in the late seventies, he was talking about it, but, but we know for a fact that he wanted to take it off for the creatures album and Gene just wasn't sure of it yet. So Paul gave in and kept it on. But you can see that he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to get all made up in costumes and all this crap because, you know, I don't want to be wearing all of this stuff. Can you imagine Gene looking like a hooker doing War Machine? I mean, I don't know. That, oh, <laughs> that you're right. That that would have been that would have been the downfall, because as we know, looking through the 80s, it wasn't until the revenge album that gene finally got comfortable out of makeup that's right it took got a groove back i mean it it uh, took all those years (laughs) all those tours and all those albums before he finally found his comfort zone and once he was comfort the whole band would looked great around him so yeah if the first album out of makeup was creatures yeah you would have you would have had the the lick it up hookers on stage look going oh god this is this is terrible. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's why Creatures work so well. And, I, and honestly, I, I kind of love the fact that, that it was a little unpopular and that, uh, and that you know, we were so lucky to, to be the, 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 you know, the stalwarts in the audience, that the, the diehard fans that actually got, it, got to see this, this rare, awesome time uh, where they were these, you know, bigger than life monsters playing on this tank, this fucking tank on stage that no one had ever done before. And there they were, these, these you know, these bigger than life monsters playing this ferocious rock album. It was just, it was the coolest era for Kiss. And, um, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm a fan of the Lick It Up album. I, I really think that that album is a, is a great record and some great songs. But the image by then they had lost the they lost their image and and as we've discussed quite a bit, Gene especially really you know uh, he was lost without his character. Um, it, it, the, 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 the lick it up the lick it up tour would have been better if they came out just looking like they looked on the cover, as opposed oh. as opposed to like we've talked about putting on as much makeup as they were wearing beforehand. Except it's now all you know, eyeliner and lipstick and rouge and yeah. And you just look like you did on, because, you know, again, when, when that Lick It Up album came out, I just stared at it for hours, just trying to 
comprehend that this is Kiss, really Gene and Paul, because I mean, Vinny didn't matter. I mean, Vinny was in makeup for one album, one tour, both of them not due to him, although I like to stir the pot and say it is due to him, but the <laughs> album and the tour failed. So his makeup outside of us never made an impact outside of the diehard fans. Eric, okay, yeah, his did, especially out overseas because, you know, because of Australia. But yeah, you know, just staring at Kiss out of makeup on that Lick It Up album cover, I was just like, wow, this is really them. They're no, part of it was they're no longer superheroes. It's the truth. Now, and, now, so they're, maybe now, they should now have, they're just more. Maybe they should have, maybe they should have played you know, um, played down the whole stage show and played down the, the uh, maybe not played on the tank for that tour and, and played, you know, I mean, you know, I would have thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know, seeing them at, seeing them at smaller venues playing, you know, without any of the accoutrement. Um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure that as as we also discussed earlier, they they needed to get more juice out of that. So few people actually saw that tank tour that that's why they brought it out a second time. They get, they, they were also not in the best financial conditions, creatures and lick it up. So, you know, if you look back, you can see that oh, it's just save money. We don't have to build a whole new stage. We got the stage from a year ago. I mean, look at the tour book. I mean, the yeah. tour book was the Creatures tour book redone, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, you know, the, the hype at the time, though, was that we took the makeup off, but the stage is raging. We're still Kiss. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we're, we're taking the makeup off and we're a stripped down rock and roll band. It was just the opposite. The hype, what they were selling was we're just all, all taking the makeup off means is we took the makeup off it's still a kiss show you're still going to see the blinding lights and exploding you know fire breathing that's what they were selling yeah so. yep. yep although we did we didn't get the blood spitting we <laughs> did not true. true you know and I, I remember on the lick it up tour wondering what the show is going to be like how is it going to be different i mean that was even another moment of just staring at those guys on stage now it's like you know, literally like a year earlier, I saw you in this same venue on the Creatures Tour, tearing it up in makeup, and now you're back and there's no makeup. And it's like, wow, that's really Gene. That's really Paul. Yeah. You know, it was, it, was, it was just the whole Lick It Up thing. Again, great album. I think for the band and even the fans, if we all admit it, we're all sort of like, not sure what was going to be happening. Not sure what to expect. Not sure how to take it in. Um, it was... Well, the rising tide that helped them was the genre of music that they helped make popular. Yeah. Saved them. Yeah. Because if, 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 if there was no metal resurgence, that they would have been done. I mean, whether they want to admit it or not, you know, Van Halen and Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister and Motley Crue all helped. <laughs> Because that was, kids saw that as cool. Well, especially, um, especially once those bands became more popular and they started doing interviews and talking about, oh yeah, we grew up listening to Kiss. 
it gave credibility to our band all of a sudden. Well, like, each yeah. one of those bands, you know, Van Halen played Firehouse in the club days. You know, tw I have a Twisted Sister single with a picture of Kiss on it from Europe. Uh, and it was all of these influences. You know, um, you know, uh, Tommy Lee was a big Kiss fan. Peter Chris was a, you know, he loved Peter Chris. You know, also all those bands, you know, we're Kiss fans. You're absolutely right. I mean, Mot and Motley, Motley what... Crue on the Shout at the Devil album used Barry Levine as the photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Stole their whole image. They yeah. owe their entire, they owe their career to Kiss. Well, you it's know, and, 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 you, and, and Andre, you probably didn't catch this episode, but we did an episode a few years ago with Kiss's costume designer through the 80s. Oh, Look cool. it up, wow. an asylum. She also designed the Shout at the Devil costumes. Of course she did. Yeah. <laughs> she she talked, you know, she talked about that. So yeah, I mean, you know, and I've I've shared this before. I remember as a kid when I got Shout at the Devil and he opened it up, that incredible photo in the gatefold, and I'm like, that could be Gene, that could be Ace, that could be <laughs> Peter, and that could be Paul. I mean, I'm sure a lot of KISS fans were doing that. Guilty. Absolutely. I was the same way. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you were, then you were at the Fox, uh, Fox theater show. With Saxon. With Saxon. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was great. Yes. One. Yeah. So I went to all these shows. <laughs> did, did you see, did you, were you still in Detroit when Motley opened for Ozzy at Joe Lewis? Gosh, no, I, you know, I may have been, but I don't know that I, I don't think I saw that show, no. Is, is that your <laughs> that infamous Meat show, Mark? Open up for no, no, the, the Meat show was uh, Ozzy with Randy Rhodes. That was uh, when I got hit with Meat up front. That was brutal. Uh, Ozzy was on stage and threw Meat out into the audience and hit Mark in the face with it. So awesome. That is a true, true story, Yeah. Now, now, My now buddy all these years later, you're that. like, man, if I could have only saved that Meat. <laughs> I mean, that was the most disgusting thing ever. I it was like a wet. All I remember is I, it was like a wet paper towel that smelled like ass and throw up. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but Ozzy, oh man, that was just fucking. That's what you get. You know, I had a, I had a kid I went to school with. Is I don't know exactly what his dad did, but he got us like great tickets all the time and. Uh, yeah, that was also too. That was before moshing and stuff. But I just remember at that Ozzy show, like being pr like crushed. I mean, the, the it was all guys, you know what I mean? No fuck, there's no chicks, and it was just like big fucking big rumble down on main floor, man. It was brutal. Oh yeah, but, I, uh, I remember that during the '80s. Yeah, before mosh pits, you know, you'd have reserved seating on the main floor, and there'd be ushers out there, but you knew damn well that as soon as the house lights went down especially for the the headlining act boom, the whole floor just compressed itself and and oh. I, I i had i technically had third row center for kiss animalize on the main floor and when the show started i ended up front row of course 
packed shoulder to shoulder. But, it, you know, yeah, it wasn't a mosh pit, but you couldn't freaking move. I mean, you could literally lift your feet off the ground and you were just being held up. Yeah. Pressed together. And, and, you know, Mark, I mean, you and Andre, you might be the same way. It's like, you know, I had to buy my tour books. And I had to buy my T-shirts and all this other stuff. And I'm like, how the, how the you know, I, I didn't want to buy it after because I didn't want to risk it being sold out. So I'm like, fuck, how am I going to hold on to this stuff? and not have it get trampled and ripped out of my arms because you couldn't leave it on. You couldn't leave it on your seat because your seat is six rows behind you. Yeah. I I remember one time, matter of fact, it was when deep purple came back and it was 85 at Joe Lewis. And I brought my friend, he wanted, he wanted to go so bad. It was, this is a sign of the times. I bought scalper tickets and they were $35 each, you know, and at the t- normal tickets, whatever, 15 bucks. And I'm like, who's going to spend their, I'm like, Oh, motherfucker. So I spent, you know, $70 for two fucking tickets. Now that barely gets you into the arena. Doesn't buy you parking. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyways, we were, I think I was like third or fourth row. And I'll never forget. I took my body. He was a pretty good sized guy. But this guy kept fucking grabbing his shoulder, trying to pull himself up because the crowd was, you know, so compact. And my buddy just fucking cold cocks him. I mean, right in the fucking face. Falls over. And this is like the first song. This is during Highway Star. I'll never forget. After the show's over, the guy didn't bother him the, the rest of the time. As we're walking out, I, I'm like, hey, that's the guy you punched. He's sitting in the penalty box area because they didn't take the boards down because that's, that's the hockey arena. And he's sitting there. He's got fucking blood all over. <laughs> I'm like, that's the guy you punched. <laughs> so, anyways, that's. Uh... So, 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 Andre, talk to us uh, a little bit about, um, you know, we touched on it briefly, uh, Sick Army. <laughs> how, how did you get involved with that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, uh, I honestly don't know how, um, how, you know, a group of my friends who, you know, we all played in bands together. And um, I think it started out as maybe like just sort of Halloween costumes that, uh, you know, because we're all musicians and uh, playing in bands and together and in other bands, we... Um, uh, we said, you know, let's, uh, let's see if we can, uh, you know, do like a full makeup, full costume kiss show, but none of us wanted to do like a, I mean, although we were very loyal musically to it and played the songs, you know, correctly, um, we didn't want it to be like a, like a, uh, tribute band. Uh, it had to be funny and, it, you know, we had to make light of some of the more ridiculous aspects of a, of a kiss show. And uh, clearly, you know, Paul's antics in between, uh, in between songs are, are ripe for, for parody. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that, and of course, every, you know, you know they, they had such a, a close association with Detroit, even though they're not from Detroit. Um, so, you know, I mean, every time we played, it was always, you know, I was addressing the, the, uh, the, the people in the audience as Detroit and, uh, and so, you know, um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, we're all guitar players and, and, you know, everyone of course wanted to be ace, but, um, 
you know, it was it was much cooler to be to to fire Ace on stage and bring up Vinny. Well, how did so, so how how did you come up with that? I mean, that that's not something that you know a bunch of guys getting together to to do a, a little Kiss tribute are going to go. Oh yeah, so let's fire one guy and then we'll fire another guy and replace. Him. I mean, how did that come up? Well, I'll tell you because there were too many people that wanted to do it, and you can't. You know, there's only four people in the original Kiss. Uh, you know, makeup. So we had to. You know, we wanted to to uh, incorporate more people, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, you know, especially guitar players. Uh, uh, we just wanted to involve more more players in the. Uh, in the project, so so uh, my buddy John got to be Vinny, and uh, and that was you know so much fun, um, and uh, you know it was it was a lot of fun, uh, uh, and and I definitely uh, you know uh, the drummer um, you know who played Peter and um, and Eric Singer both as Peter's cat ma makeup. Um, you know, he, he played, uh, he got to come up and do um, Beth, uh, uh, you know, and the, the set list was great. We really did um, uh, play all the songs that, you know, that we wanted to, you know, either either wanted to see Kiss play uh, or, um, or, you know, had seen uh, for many years, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff off of a, the first Alive record um, uh, as that's, you know, really the pinnacle of, of, uh, of, uh, live albums for me. And it was just so much fun, you know, I mean, uh, it was, it was all done in, you know, uh, out of, uh, out of love and, and, uh, sure. but, you know, we could only do a couple of performances cause it was a lot of work and, uh, the makeup and the costumes and the upkeep. <laughs> I mean, you know, after That's the, the second hardest part for these groups, these tribute bands is taking care of all that stuff. Yeah. After the second performance, I was like, okay, I've had it. I've done, I'm done. I don't want to do this. So, so, so walk us through, how did you script it and how did you pull it off on stage firing Ace Frehley? <laughs> well, um, I guess if I, if memory serves, this is a long time ago now, it's probably about 15 years ago. Um, uh, so, so what it was, was, uh, uh, I think, you know, Ace was just too spacey. He played uh, maybe too long of a solo and, uh, and Gene and I were commiserating on stage while he was doing this, you know, like shaking our head, like pointing at him going, what's he doing? And uh, at the end of the song, um, Gene being the very sober voiced, um, you know, almost matter of fact, uh, he had to, you know, he said, uh, Ace, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're fired. And, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Ace walked off stage and, and then I had the, the opportunity to excitedly, um, introduce our new guitar player, Vinnie <laughs> Vincent, you know, that kind of, that kind of nice. thing. But, you know, nice. the truth was, is that we only played one song with Vinny before we brought Ace back on stage because no one wanted to be <laughs> off stage for too long. And, uh, and so, you know, it was very much a, uh, uh, we all got to get together and, you know, that kind of, um, uh, uh kind of moment to bring everyone together on stage for, I think it was rock and roll all night was the last one or something like that. Very cool. It was a lot of fun though, you know. It's a great idea. I love it. I love it. I mean, yeah. you know, you're a Kiss tribute band. You're probably only playing for diehards anyway. I mean... 
actually no no the, the the you know we hyped it so well uh in la uh uh we we really did a good job of hyping it and we packed that place and it wasn't just diehards it was mostly girls to be honest with you because of the uh of the fun sort of you know everyone got to just you know the girls got to dress really uh slutty and you know because it was more like halloween um so it was it was definitely um uh uh a, pl a time and a place where everyone just let their hair down and and had fun with it i love it cool. i love it um so you 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 got to share a little bit about being on the real world sure you know yeah. I, you know, I, re I, I remember the first season. It's been so long. I, re I remember I watched the first season of The Real World on MTV. When was uh, that? What year? Because I remember, I know the name of the show, but I've never seen it. 92. 92. Wow, really? Yeah. I was going to say like 2010 or five. No, or no, no. I mean, I mean, it's a, a lot of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Andre, but a lot of people sort of, look at MTV's real world as one of the very first, if not the very first reality show. Well, it was the very first reality show. It was, it created the genre. Um, the only thing that predates the real world as far as reality TV was Amer an American family on PBS, which was uh, oh, wow. in the seventies. Um, that's uh, the, really the only thing that predates uh, the real world. We were, and, Pretty much created uh, the the entire genre. So yes, we're to blame. I was going to say thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, we are to blame. You, 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 you. Not not only did you are you to blame for reality TV. You're probably to blame for killing music on MTV then as well. Well, I think they had a lot of stupid shows before ours, but uh, we're we were certainly the thing that that they kept um, renewing. Once they realized they could make money off of reality TV, yeah. it's like, all right, MTV's becoming reality. <laughs> what was the game show? I fucking love the MTV game remote show. Remote Control. Yes, that was awesome. I like that yeah. show. Yeah, no, Remote Control, you know, they had a lot of, they had a lot of shows on, on MTV that, that were not music, but um, The Real World was the first show that, that keep, kept getting renewed and yep. uh, replayed over and over and over um and my season especially as it was the first um season um yeah crazy 92 in in manhattan um our our loft was a 4000 square foot loft on uh, prince and broadway across the street from dean and deluca it was um i was uh, 21 years old at the time it was uh it was really um it was awesome. I got to say, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we never watched an episode before. Um, you know, I, none of us had never had any idea of what it was going to be like, or they never. Well, they how, never, did, how, how did they, how did it get pitched to you? Well, the, it was pitched as a rea um, a documentary style television show that, that was going to feature my band uh, at the time. So as a 21 year old musician looking to get, on MTV, this was a this was a golden moment in my eyes. Um, so it was very much uh, uh, I jumped at the chance. Um, but as it uh, as you know, when I saw the first episode and saw that it 
wasn't really as much of a documentary as it, uh, you know, it may have been filmed like a documentary, but it was edited like a soap opera. Um, so that was the, you know, that was the catch. Um, and I, I started to worry a great deal when I saw the first episode and saw that it wasn't um, as um, maybe as. It wasn't going to be about your band. Well, the, 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 the sections that had to deal with me were, were very much about my band, but it wasn't, it wasn't rooted in reality as much as I would have liked. How do they go about that? They tell you what to, what to say? I mean, never, when they... never. I, I can only speak for my season in that, um, you know, they never, they, uh, there, was a, there were a couple of moments where the producers got involved with trying to fabricate what was, what was going to happen. And fortunately, that, that didn't involve me so much. It involved other cast members. And, and it was a disaster for them. Uh, so much so that there was a bit of a mutiny um, early on when one of the cast members felt somewhat um, offended and betrayed that they had, uh, they left some, I don't want to get too, too into it because it's ridiculous, but uh, they just, they, they tried to fabricate um, moments that, uh, and, and, and drama um, with other cast members and instead of of creating that situation which they learned that they really couldn't do successfully they just edited it uh to, to tell the story that they wanted to tell rather than try to create the moment that they wanted so 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 at least for your season it wasn't you know as we all look at reality tv now it's like it's not reality it's all completely scripted and acted um for your season, it wasn't really scripted, Not but it was very creative editing to tell the story they wanted to tell to create drama. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and even that, though, I would say that, you know, really the, um, the only things that they were really creatively, uh, you know, bending the truth a little bit, there was no real relationship between Eric and Julie that they really were hoping that they could, you know, that, that would happen. There was no, there wasn't even a real attraction between them. And they, they really tried to create that in the editing room. And they, you know, a lot of people think that they did a good job and, and uh, have given that sort of, um, you know, impression that there was a thing between them, which there wasn't. Um, that's the kind of thing that they created in the editing room. Um, as far as uh, anything else that I know that, you know, there was a time that, uh, that the, um, they came to my house in New Jersey where my band lived and, uh, you know, they, they messed up our kitchen to make it look like we were sloppier and, and more slovenly than we actually were. And they really didn't have to because we were fucking slobs, but they, uh, they definitely wanted to, you know, because we probably cleaned up because we knew when, you know, the cameras were going to show up. So we cleaned up and they went and messed it up for us, you know, and put poured cereal all over the, um, the kitchen counters and things like that. Um, so things like that, they may have, you know, added to uh, their, the story that they wanted to tell, but uh, I was never given any lines or anything to, to, you know, you know, they, they never said here, say this or do that so that they could get a, a, the shot that they needed. I mean, it was, 
it was very much filmed like a documentary as far as anything that I participated in. It just wasn't necessarily edited in the most truthful ways. How, um, how difficult was it for you to get used to just having cameras filming you living? I mean, that's basically what they were doing is there was just always a camera filming you living. And, you know, we got to think today that's not odd. I mean, God, every, everybody's being filmed living. But back in 92, that was completely unheard of, of just crazy. letting have a camera running, filming everything you do. How did you come to grips with, well, you're not going to film me going into the bathroom, are you? You're not going right, to film right. me taking first, a nap, you know, First couple of weeks, it was a, it was, it was an adjustment, and you had to get used to the people um, being in a room with you, but not, but directed to not acknowledge you. Acknowledge not, them. You can't acknowledge them. You can't speak to them, and in, and you know, in some cases, we would hang out after uh, the, um, after you know the 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 filming was over. Let's say you know. The, the, if they were if they were there all week, they were only filming about 80 hours during the week. So the other time was either downtime where they weren't there at all, or um, they were there but they weren't filming, and that meant the TV lights weren't on. So they had the you know right. at the loft they had these huge 25 foot ceilings that had television lighting, and when the television lighting was on, well they were clearly filming, and and if you didn't, you know there were times there were days that I that I went home to the loft and I saw that the, I opened the door. I saw that the TV lights were on. I didn't want to deal with it. So I shut the door and walked back out and went back out into the street and, you know, got high or whatever I did. And, uh, and uh, I didn't want to be around the, the cameras at the time, but uh, um, you know, that's, uh, it was my choice, you know, to either um, be on camera or not. Um, and, and to answer your question, you kind of just got used to it. And, um, you know, like if I was at a party and someone passed me a joint, they would move the camera away so that, so as to not capture me smoking. Um, so that, that, you know, the, the, the directors were pretty savvy in that way that, you know, they, they knew what they could show, what they couldn't show, what they wanted to show, what they wanted. So, so they, they, they didn't give you any directions as you can't do this on camera type of thing. It was just like, do whatever you want. And they're going to make sure that they deal with it. I'm sure if I was doing anything that was really that terrible that they may have inter intervened, but you know, taking a hit off a joint on a, at a party is not exactly the kind of, you know, and uh, you know, I'm 21 years old. What are you going to do? You know, arrest me, you know? Like, right. So, so, uh, uh, no, that, that, you know, that, that they never got involved into, you know, telling me what I can and can't do. Did you ever find yourself at a moment going, Oh, I'm not going to say that because the cameras are rolling. Oh, I'm not going to go do that because the cameras are rolling. I need to. Or there, there must have been some moments. I, I can't think of any off, off the top of my head where I, where I actively edited myself. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that that had to have happened once or twice. How about the, the attention that in general that, because that show was big. When that hit, it was big. It exploded. I mean, obviously, because, you know, it had sequel after sequel after sequel as well. 
Um, what, what about the, the spotlight and the attention that put on you of being part of MTV, the real world? It was, it was difficult to deal with at that young age. I think that, you know, looking back, um, I think that what they, if they really did care about what happened to those kids that were on the first season of the real world, they probably should have um, supplied us or at least directed us to some um, good therapy because honestly, uh, it, was, it was very difficult um, after the fact. Um, and so much so maybe a couple of years after that, you could have said that, and I, and I don't wanna sound like the, you know, too, uh, uh, too overly dramatic, but I think that you know one could argue that, that there was a bit of PTSD um, after after the show, and th there you know there was a bit of a uh, um, traumatic traumatic stress disorder uh, uh, from it, and from the attention and having people think that they know you or behave like they know you, and and I don't know any of these people, and I'll, I'll tell you a, a funny story. Um, when my band was on tour, um, uh, I got approached by this little guy in Texas. I shouldn't say little guy. It was a, a person smaller than me, um, a beard rocker dude at this rock club. And, and, you know, he was saying, you know, he liked the kiss cover that I did. Uh, we did a hundred thousand years. Um, and, and he got kind of offended that I didn't react to him like a buddy when he was trying to buddy up to me and I just didn't know him. Well, it turns out that this was Vinnie Paul from Pantera. And, um, and, you know, had I known, I would have been like, wow, man, you're awesome, you're great. But, you know, people just sort of assume they know you. And uh, uh, it's just a, it's a weird experience to be so well known to someone when you don't know who you're talking to back. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because, you know, you, you, you're, you're not, you were not clearly playing a character in a scripted show where, you know, you watch the show and you go, okay, I know who you are as an actor, but I know that what you're playing isn't you. You are now part of a show where people think through the editing this is your life. This is who you really are. And they're passing judgments on you, Correct. right and wrong. Correct. It was, it was, a, it was a difficult, it was, it was, you know, a, sort of a difficult period in my life. It, it kind of, it kind of drove me a little crazy. I, I ended up, you know, cutting all my hair off in a fit of, you know, crazy rage and, and having a, a total um, identity crisis. Um, you went all Britney Spears on us. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. It was, it was a crazy time. It was, um, it made me question a lot of, uh, a lot of things that I thought I knew about myself. Would, would um, you, would you do the whole thing again? If, if knowing what you know? Well, probably not only, only because, um, I think that it changed me in some very profound ways. Uh, I'm much more guarded now. I'm much uh, more uh, reserved. I, I, I don't offer my opinion um, in the way that I used to just, you know, <laughs> boastfully right. just, uh, 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 you know, 
just sort of brag about I'm I'm not that way. I can play that. I I can I can write about it. I can write in character like that, but I can't. But I but I'm not that way naturally. I'm much more re reserved. So so me at the age that I'm at now, as opposed to what I was then, I I two very different people. Wow, that it's. Again, it's so hard. Timelines, everything, people. We say that all the time on the show. And you know, if you if you're one of our younger listeners now, you grew up in an era where reality television just has always always been there. It's, and you know, you can be your own reality TV star now on social media. I mean, you just turn a video camera on. I mean, hell, that's what we're basically doing here. Um, but back in '92, didn't exist. Completely. completely unheard of unknown i mean that was part of what kind of you know again it was so long ago but i remember it's like wow this real world is kind of cool this is this is really interesting that we're we're a camera on the lives of these these kids yeah it was it was very uh uh unique um very new ultra modern uh, approach to entertainment and it changed and I don't want to over overstate it, but it changed uh, the way that we look at entertainment. It changed everything. Um, and, you know, to this day, I mean, <laughs> I hate to even say this because it kind of upsets my stomach a little bit, but here we have a reality television president. Um, and you know our our entire world has has changed because of this silly television show that that uh, I was involved in 25 years ago more you know almost 30 years ago um, and uh, it's just um, it's it's hard to even it's hard to even grasp the 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 shift yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where you and to be at the forefront of it to be involved in that in that uh, at its embryonic stage and to kind of be um you know um so in you know so involved so integral to that to the whole thing um it's it's just a a very unsettling <laughs> <laughs> and and strange position to be in for me. It, it 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 is. I mean, when you look back at reality shows that were big and had an impact, it seems like the people who were always on the first season of The Real World, the first season of Survivor, the first season of whatever, 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 are the ones that end up having to carry the brunt of the weight on their shoulders because all the sequel seasons. Now we already now we know what we're getting into. Well, right, and and for my in in my case, even even those first seasons of those other shows, they could have looked at my show, and sort of known what they were getting involved in. We didn't have even that. We right. didn't have anything. We were the very first of the very first. Um, so it was, you know, um, it was it was really a. a a bizarre uh, experience that, you know, on one hand, I think of it as, you know, how lucky I was to be involved in it. On the other hand, it's like a double-edged sword. It's uh, how sure. unlucky I was. Sure. It was, 
it, it affected my life in so many good ways and bad. Um, and, uh, and it changed who I am, both good and bad. Has, um, has, 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 has MTV, and maybe they did, and I've just stopped paying attention to the real world after I don't know how many seasons they did of it. Um, but has MTV ever did something where they brought back all of the people from that first season 25 years later and said, what happened to you? No, what they like to do is bring back all the seasons and sort of make it a bigger thing. You know, they, they don't really give much credence to the first season as being, um, uh, I, you know, I think, and, and there's a reason for that. I'm sure we're so, we're so much older than their, than their demographic. Uh, you know, who wants to see a bunch of, you know, 40 and 50 year old people on MTV that that's not that's not MTV that's not their demo um so so no if they're and if they're gonna and frankly I don't really care to be and and I I don't watch um much reality television I I never watched any of the subsequent seasons of real world um so I I don't really care to be associated so much with sure. the, the the seasons after mine so i don't really participate in any of their in you know of their uh uh reunions or or things like that occasionally i'll i'll go to one of their holiday parties or something if they're you know if i'm feeling social or uh something at, like at, that. so at least they haven't forgotten about you yeah, well, they have. Uh, they they know that I'm not. Um, that, you know, I've I've probably changed so much that I. Whereas at one point in my life, I may have been a good reality television personality. They know that now that I'm reserved enough and probably not willing to to give them the sort of you know openness that they that they want or right. or require uh, for their shows. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's crazy. The whole thing's they, they, weird. They should do the real world when you're 50. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny, you know, they did, um, a lot of my, uh, uh, original cast members were in town for something, um, on another channel and, uh, uh, we all got together just off camera to say hi. I mean, everyone except for, um, Kevin, who was in New York, who I saw last year. Uh, I was there on business um, uh, and I invited him to our, uh, to a, a concert that, you know, I, I work in music publishing now. So I was, uh, I was there uh, uh, with an artist and invited him as he's still very much involved in the hip hop scene. This was a, a, a hip hop artist that, that I was uh, uh, at a performance in New York and I invited Kevin um and uh and but so he wasn't at this thing but uh most of the other cast members were there and it was just really good to see everybody everyone is doing very well and and uh it was really nice it, we hadn't seen each other in 20 years more wow yeah it's got to be that's got to be interesting i mean especially because your lives would have never crossed paths without this show i mean that's literally why you met each other that's right and they really would not have i mean that was the thing that surprised me the most when I uh, uh, moved, when I met everyone, I sort of expected them to be kind of more like me, kind of, you know, um, they were, you know, to, to their credit, they were more of the 
artists, performers uh, that I was, and they don't, they don't really pick those kind of people anymore to, you know, on that first season, they, they chose a lot of young people that were artists and uh, either musicians or writers, fine artists, uh, dancers, that kind of thing. Um, and I, and most of those, those people I would have never, you know, I would just in my social circle that that didn't really include many yeah, at the time didn't really include many rappers or fine artists or dancers or that kind of thing um and it was interesting to uh to you know to to live with those people at at that stage in our lives and meet them and and to you know to to follow up with them so many years later was great right right so so aaron what are you uh what are you aaron andre <laughs> what are you uh up to now i have a uh heavy rock band after not playing rock music for many years i um i started a new rock band uh here in los angeles uh it's my name andre como and uh, we recently released a record on David Ellison from Megadeth's label, EMP. Oh, good for you. Um, we are uh, currently going back in the studio to record a follow-up. Um, we just released a, uh, an EP uh, in June uh, called Wrong Within that's available on all the you know, digital and streaming outlets. Um, and uh, we're recording the follow-up now in lieu of any touring, which we were all really hoping to do, but obviously COVID kind of changed all that. Uh, so we're just sort of following it up with a full length. Um, probably do some live streaming events before, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing, uh, before we put out the new one, which I hope to have out in the early part of next year. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, uh, you know, let us know as it gets closer and it drops and we'll make sure to let the KISS fans know. To, to yeah, yeah I think KISS fans would like the, uh, the EP that's out now. As a matter of fact, it's very heavily influenced by 70s um, prototypical metal, uh, you know, Humble Pie, KISS, Led Zeppelin, that kind of thing. It's very much in that uh, vein. And, um, you know, one thing that is for certain is that uh, I'm, you know, very influenced by Paul Stanley specifically in his songwriting and vocal style. I think any Kiss fan is going to like my band a lot. So, so couple, couple final questions. We'll save the, the ultimate question for the very end here. Well, well, let's, let's just get into it because that's the, that's the best question. And I think we kind of know where you're coming from on this, but we got to ask you, did Vinnie Vincent save Kiss? Absolutely. Oh, God. Well, it's a good thing we're wrapping up. <laughs> I think Vinnie Vincent, his, his influence on Kiss cannot be overstated. His, um, uh, whether, whether it was just timing, uh, I think that, his, um, I think that they needed another songwriter in the band to either um, reinvigorate Gene. I think, I think you know, Paul Stanley, to his credit, was um, he was he carried that band across the finish line for a lot of years, and his stuff has been you know strong throughout. Um, I would even go as far as to say that you know, uh, Paul's songs. Um, 
you know, really were the reason that Kiss uh, uh, maintained its popularity throughout the 80s. Um, but without Vinny, I don't know. I think, you know, and, and for that matter, I think that Eric Carr also uh, uh, should get the, a little more credit as well. I think that they created a sound, that lineup of Paul, Gene, Vinny, and Eric Carr, I think that that lineup created a sound that was the template for Kiss for many years to come. And, um, and I don't know that they would have achieved what they, uh, I don't know that they would have achieved, have achieved the comeback that they, that they did uh, without him. Simple as that. I have, a, I have a final question for you. Did you see the end of the road tour? I didn't. And I, I, I wish I had, because I didn't think that, frankly, I didn't think it was going to be the end of the road. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought that this is just going to be one of many, you know, goodbye tours. And when was the last time you'd seen them live? The, uh, the last time that I saw Kiss in person live was the, the final, the, the first goodbye tour. A farewell uh, tour. At, at Detroit, uh, at Tiger Stadium, with the original members. Oh, that was the last time you'd seen them. So yeah, t t t t Tiger Stadium for the reunion tour. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the last time I'd seen them live. I think. I'm trying to think if there was ever a, if there was a time after that, I'd seen them so many times before then. You know, probably about eight nine times, and then by that time, you know, I think after that show, I was like, okay, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy night, though. No pun intended. That was a lot of fun. Remember, how the weather was beautiful. Oh was, yeah, yeah. No, that that show at Tiger Stadium. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah with Allison Chains opening. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was you, a lot of fun. Have well, you, that's why I kind of went out on a bang. I mean, I figured it was, you know, that would be the way to, to, you know, finally got to see the original members. I find, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, so I, I didn't, you know. And by and you know I, I just didn't uh, and I and frankly I wasn't as big of a fan of Revenge as as maybe I should you know I, I should go back and listen to maybe that album again and I might yeah, have it a little more um, because I, I, again I, I being such a big Paul fan I, I'm not so sure that his songs are you know so strong on on that one I don't know well but, you know I I for for me it always seems like the best songs come out when Gene is really focused and Gene and Paul work together. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I don't mean, cause you know, we all sit here and go, Oh man, if Gene and Paul would write songs together, well, they really haven't written that much together. That's but, true. But when they work together and they structure songs together, I mean, you know, nothing against Paul, but what we ended up with during the 80s was basically a Paul Stanley solo album every year during the 80s because Gene completely checked out and left it all up to Paul. Not that there was anything wrong with that because there was some great music, but Revenge felt like Gene and Paul are back together. You know, and Vinny, and Vinny also had some songwriting cuts on that record. Vin, so Vinny, Vinny had, exactly. Well, you know, every, everything was coming together. They, they went back and used a real credible producer, Bob Ezrin. Gene and Paul were back together. Gene was back caring about the band again. They had a great songwriter again. 
everything was in place. And, and, and we've talked about this a lot recently. Ironically, Revenge is very much a sister album to Creatures of the Night. Mm -hmm. Both albums are looked upon by KISS fans as some of the best material KISS has A return to form. Right. Re they finally are back. The problem was Creatures happened when KISS was falling apart and they came back and then they had to take the makeup off to continue and stay alive. And Revenge happened when basically Hard Rock was dead because grunge killed it all off and Kiss was struggling to survive again. I mean, both, both those albums didn't do well. Yeah. Both those tours didn't do well. Yeah, but didn't, hold on, uh, uh, Revenge went gold at the time. Revenge went gold much quicker than um, Creatures did, but Revenge didn't go platinum right away, especially no, coming, out, coming, coming out of the 80s. I mean, it was, you know, they were used to getting platinum albums eventually off of the 80s albums, and, and, and Revenge was, was a disappointment. I mean, Mark, I mean, you even, we love to tell this story when you, talk to gene and ask him how come you didn't do the the creatures of the night drum sound again he's like why that album failed why would i recreate what didn't work yeah oh, sure. so, that's so aggravating i'm sorry that's not the point it's like not everything is is a dollar sign that's the problem is that you know just because something doesn't sell doesn't mean it's not going to be revered for years i mean that's uh, I, I just, you know, that's the, that's the but, problem I have with the, the way Gene looks at the world. It, but, but, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't fault it because, you know, we're looking at it differently. We're looking at it from the outside as a KISS fan. And, and we know what we like and we know what we want. But, you know, especially like in the Revenge era, we had a guest a couple of years ago, Benny Doro on, who, you know, documented for us very well because he was being managed by Paul at the time how Kiss went from the top of Hot in the Shade where they were tour you know shows were selling out and everything was great and then Revenge comes out and it's half filled arenas again and now they're struggling to just survive yeah so it's easy for us to sit here and go well why didn't you record that sound again we love that sound and they're like yeah, we didn't know if the band was going to exist a year from now. That's what we're worried about. Why would we go, why would we create something that didn't work when right now we got to find something that works? Yeah, I mean, look at the, the Hot in the Shade. Kiss came through Detroit twice on the Hot in the Shade tour at the Palace, you know, on 18 right. to 20,000 seater. And then when they came back for Revenge, they they had to hype it as recording a live three, but literally had they just stayed on the road. I mean, let's face it. They didn't stay on the road because the tour didn't do very well. You know, um, really a few months later. They had to kind of do what they did for creatures. They had to take the show on the road. They started playing South America and, you know, looking at other avenues because they couldn't put feet in the seats as they say. We, 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 just, we just had PJ Farley from Trickster on a few weeks ago and, you know, Trickster opened on the Revenge Tour and 
he said the only reason that the revenge tour was able to go to the end was that Kiss took a pay cut each night in order to continue this tour because it was losing money. No, nobody was. I mean, that was, uh, that was when Faster Pussycat got their tour support was pulled because they were no longer selling albums. So they get pulled off the tour. And, you know, as, as we all know, looking back, 92 was a tough year <laughs> for anybody who uh. had anything to do with 80s rock, hard rock, glam rock, anything. If you, if you weren't up there in combat boots, shorts, and a flannel shirt, nobody was paying attention to you all of a sudden. Try being on a reality TV show. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a network that was giving up on music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Andre, where can people uh, check you out online? Uh, you know, they can come to my uh, uh, Facebook uh, band page. Um, it's, uh, slash, you know, Facebook slash uh, Andre Como. Um, and uh, the album is out on um, all the digital uh, uh, outlets, iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, all of those as well. Um, and, uh, you know, check it out and drop me a line. Love to hear from you. We definitely will. Everybody go check out Andre's band. It means a lot. It was great meeting you, although we were in a lot of buildings together already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, for all you guys know, you might have pissed next to each other in, at Kobo. In the troughs over at Joe Louis Arena. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> been the guy that, that got cold cocked in the uh, yeah. front row. <laughs> That was you. There you go. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Andre, this is great. It's always so much fun just chat and kiss. Just great meeting you guys. Had a lot of fun. Let's do it again. You got right. it. Anytime. Take care, Andre. Bye. Fun talk with, with Andre. He's definitely a Kiss fan. I mean, he, mm -hmm. you know, let, let's be honest. If you went to the Creatures of the Night tour, you're a Kiss fan. That's it. That's your, that's your cred right there. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think anybody went to the Creatures tour accidentally. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, what are we doing tonight? Oh, Kiss is in town. Let's go see him. No, you, you only went because you were a Kiss fan. Yeah. That was it. Um, no, he, a lot, a lot of fun. I, I, I love his, his tribute shows with Sick Army, where they fire Ace and hire Vinny and fire Peter and hire Eric. <laughs> that was, That's pretty funny. I, I mean, you know, that, that if you're not a Kiss fan, you won't understand the concept. But uh, I mean, it yeah, just, it, you know, more than anything, this this episode that we, you know, we we did with him is really the crux of what I think the show is all about, you know, you and I both didn't know him and, and Tommy, you know, before he's having those technical issues, we didn't know Andre from Adam. And next thing you know, we're sitting around belly up to the bar talking kiss and sharing stories. And this was a lot of fun. I, I really, yeah, enjoyed you it. know, and, and it actually, for me, at least it was pretty interesting to get some in that little insight he could give us into the real world i mean i i remember that back in 92 i remember watching it i remember thinking this is this is crazy this is interesting this is cool i remember every week checking it out um it was cool getting his take on that because you know as he said nobody was doing that before then nobody did reality tv i you know i, I 
maybe that's how come I enjoyed the first half so much. Never been a reality TV guy. Just, I always joked around. I said, to me, reality TV, that's why I like sports. Meaning that that's the ultimate reality TV is that you don't know what the final score is going to be. I mean, that's what well, always unless, unless, unless you're one of the refs. <laughs> yeah. But all aside, I, I've never, you know, I never watched any of those shows. Um, just not something that's geared toward me. I, I don't know why. Um, you know, and, and I, I can't say why I watched it. I didn't watch it because it was reality. I, you know, there must have been something that interested me about it. But, I mean, it literally was. All of a sudden, you're just watching a bunch of people living together and the day-to-day, -day, which has become the norm for reality TV. I mean, that's just basically what it's become is like, let's just put a camera on lives. Of course, as he said back then, it really wasn't scripted like it is now. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, it's, it's, I, I, here's how out of it I am. Is Jerry Springer still a thing? Is that, is that guy still on TV? I don't TV? think so. I don't, is he even alive? But I mean, I always equate like, that was Morton Downey's now. He's dead, isn't he, or something? Morton Downey is, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 all the the entire genre. I just never, you know, you know, it's fun. I like I like sports and news. <laughs> that's that's about it, man. I I don't really have much time for. I mean, of course, there's some. You know, I'm I'm looking for because I guess I just found out it's a few episodes in. I guess the new Fargo just started. I I like stuff that makes you think. I that you know, that's that to me sure. is good TV. Um, I like well written things. Put it this way. Put it this way. I think either well written or, or insane funny. I don't know if you saw last week, uh, the the pandemic episode of fucking South Park. Liz and no, I. No, I heard fucking, about it. I thought we were pissing ourselves laughing. You know, that's what I mean. I, I I want something like that's what I mean. I just the whole. And I'm not putting look if you like it, sweet. I'm, I'm I'm just you probably don't like stuff I like, you know. But it's just like I, I the whole that whole genre I just never. I'm like okay, so there's and and here's something too. I guess I should have asked him. Like he said, you know, he walked there some days to go into his apartment. So the light was on. He's like, fuck this, and I left. Yeah, because I I do think at the crux of reality TV can't be real. Because if you know you're being recorded, your guard's already up. You, you can change your life. Correct, correct. That's that's so that's what I mean. So I, mean, I always kind of found the whole thing disingenuous. Um, and again, with uh, without him saying it, that's what he kind of said. He's like, you know, I'm going to go home and fuck the lights on. Fuck, I'm going to go walk the streets for another couple hours till I come home and the lights not on. Right, right. Well, how real? How real is that? It's not. Because, you you know, you don't want to fucking deal with it. And I get it. I understand. That had – I would want to live in a fishbowl. That'd be – that'd suck. I'd hate it, you know. But that's me. I know maybe some people would dig it. I, I don't. Well, you know, and I, I think his take on it looking back now is probably similar to most people who take part in them. After it's all done, they sort of sit back and go, I'm not sure about what I just did to my life. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, doing the show is, is in some ways a reality sort of entertainment. But the, the, the cool part is, is that we're voluntarily here. You know, I stand behind everything 
I say, you stand behind everything you say, and Tommy and Lisa, and you're, you're getting the real deal. You know what I mean? Right. Just because the red light on here doesn't change us. You know, it's a different thing. Whereas, like he said, you know, they're, they, they, they wanted to force an agenda. They wanted you to, to act a certain way or they're going to try and, you know, twist things. So I, I just, man, I, that just goes contrary to just how my heart is. You know what I mean? I, that would just be difficult to be around. Yeah. I don't think it would yeah. be, I don't think it'd be much fun. And again, that's the great thing about, about doing what we do here for three sides because, you know, if people don't like you, and trust me, we've seen this, especially you and I, Michael, you know, I, but you know what? Fuck them. I don't care. I mean, what you see here is what you get. Matter of fact, I've, I've, had people, I've had people on the Kiss Cruise after we talked for two years, like, you're just like you are on the show. I'm like, yeah, because yeah, that's, that's me. That's what the show is. Character. Exactly. Um, maybe we need to uh, cast Kiss the real world. Where we get we get a bunch of Kiss fans together and make them live together. Oh, oh. Oh, that could be a disaster. Yeah, let let Izzy host. That's, oh uh, God, yeah. Anyway, homework for this week. I think uh, you know. First question: Did you ever watch MTV's The Real World? Did you watch season one with Andre on it? Do you remember it? And uh, did you ever get a chance to see Sick Army? and see Ace Fraley get fired on stage. I still, that would be hilarious. I mean, that, the whole that, concept's funny. That, that's great. I mean, at the end of the day, what do we keep saying? As KISS fans, we got to laugh at ourselves because everybody else laughs at us. And that's like the well, opinion of laughing going, at KISS. Going back to that, though, what did I send you the other day? What band was it? I don't remember. But remember, it was like the band going, "This, th there's no original members. This sucks. Oh. This sucks." Oh, who? Yes. Um, and I'm like, what does this sound like? I can't remember what band it was. was it, I was, was. It wasn't Deep Purple. Oh, Oyster Cult. It was Oyster Cult. Cult. Yeah, you're right. I was just reading something. It was after we did the the uh, the episode with with Robert Duncan. And and I go to the I'm a I'm you know I'm a friend of the whatever at Facebook with their official site and everything, and I'm reading some of the stuff where the bands there's because there's only like I think there's just two guys left, um, and people right. are complaining that that's what that was it because Bloister Cult is releasing a new record which I think comes out this weekend. Yep. Which I pre-ordered, can't wait to get it. Um, and all these people are like, they haven't put out an album in, you know, whatever, 10 plus years. And these people are complaining. And they, and it was so Kiss-like because some people are like, who cares? You know, at least, you know, uh, Buck and Bloom are putting fucking music out. What are you bitching about? And the other ones are like, there's no original members other than two. It's a tribute act. And I'm like, I just said, Muck, I'm like, who does this shit sound like? So it's not just replace Kiss. Blue Oyster Cult with Kiss and it could fit in any group that we're part of. <laughs> insane man i'm like just be happy there's music coming out go find I, a I, go find a life people if that's your if your life is spent complaining about who's in a band you gotta reevaluate what makes you oh happy my, yes oh my god yes those people are right about the same people who write in about this podcast sucks. Okay. This, this podcast <laughs> this podcast sucks. I can't I hate you and boy what you said this week I'm just like okay why are you listening to us this week? Exactly. <laughs> I mean oh, by the way you know that's one thing I did want to clarify. 
Um, there was a thread somewhere. We're not going to go into that, but I'm just telling you, okay, the whole thing with, with, with that I said about Peter Chris did not play on larger than life. I'm just letting you know my, my oh, answer, your, your bombshell. Yeah. My answers didn't come from an internet site. Somebody's aunt didn't tell me two people. Um, who were at the recording told me Peter didn't play on it. Okay. Just, just so we know that mm. I'm, I'm so tired of going at, and plus my 40 plus years of playing, I know the nuances of drumming. That's not him. Okay. And, and so, and I, I've had people go, all right. He, and I, cause, cause one of them is a dear friend of mine, but before this whole thing was even a, a thing, like the whole ghost musician thing, in the late 80s, very early 90s, Gene told a good friend of mine and a good friend of this show who, who played drums. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't Peter. And then during the reunion era, when Peter was back in the band, Gene said, oh, yeah, that was Peter. He didn't, you know why? He just didn't want any arguments. He didn't want to make his bandmate look. But, but again, people who were there one of the guys helped set up the mics. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Peter did not play on that. So just so you know, and also to just use, you know, common sense. If you if put it, I'll put it this way. If you've been playing drums for 20 plus years, I've been playing for 40. And I'm just, my point is this, you know how people play. Now I've talked this over with not only kiss fans, but non kiss fans are like, no, I, Peter did not play on larger than life. That's all. It's, it doesn't mean he sucks or he's bad. I love Peter. And I like the, you know, he was falling apart by that time. And that's what happened. I just and love, I, I, lo I love you make a comment like that. And fans are like, oh my God, Mark Cicchini drops a bombshell. It's like, what? Yeah, look. What bombshell? <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, because the thread was because I said some, that the last full, and I meant studio record. I don't yep. think I have to. The last full record that Peter Chris played on was Love Gun. That's the yeah. truth. That's that's well documented. That's not a bombshell. It's not Anybody a bombshell. I know knows that. Um, you know, if you want to split hairs and get technical, he played all the drums on, on, uh, on the. Kiss Symphony, but that's that's not a lie. You know, that's not a studio record. So, you know, and again, Peter didn't plan larger than life. You can if, if put it this way: if you think he did, then, then enjoy yourself. I put it this way: it's a great song, it's a great performance. And, and again, like I said, I I know the truth. I know the fact because again, the people who told me were there, and they told me to my face, privately. That's all. That's all I'm saying. So I I don't need to go any further than that and and i was just making a, a, a comment and and you know there's a reason i'm not going into who told me and what i know it so i don't need to you know go into anything and i will tell people this because I, I tell you know it's kind of like the, the detroit expo and things that have happened there's certain things i'm just not going to talk about here but i've tell i tell people all the time if i bring it up on the show and you want to if you see me on the kiss cruise or record show or something i'll talk all day long about it but, you know, when people tell me stuff in private, that's just it, you know. But I'm not going to come and blab about it on a, on, a, on a podcast or, you know, 
write a big thing about it. But if you want to talk about it face to face, I'm fine with that. I think that's fair. Again, it's, it's the truth. What I know is the truth. So I don't need, need to go any further about that. It's just, it's, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't get old when I still see people like just get all bent out of shape and freaking out about stuff. And it's like, it's just like kiss. two pages on it. I know. It's just kiss. It's not a bombshell. It's not a big deal. It's not, I, I, I don't go, 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 go hug your significant other or your kid. That's more important. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, I know it's funny. What, what Peter Chris right. played on doesn't matter. So anyway, yeah, you know, there, that's your homework. Did you watch MTV's the real world? Do you uh, remember Andre? Do you see the sick army? Um, have you listened to Andre's music? Let us know. You know where to go. Yeah. Find us on all the social medias, leave your comments. And uh, I'm not, I don't want to jinx this, but I got to tell you, all I'm going to say is, holy crap, we just confirmed somebody for a few weeks that comes through. Big shit. Big shit. Put it this way. We talked about the Dynasty Tour earlier today. We're going to talk about the Dynasty Tour again. That's all I'm going to say. That's all we're going to say. That's all we're going to say. Um, so anyway, that's it. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us, subscribe, leave a review and a ratings on iTunes. It means a lot to us. And uh, that's it. We'll see everybody next week. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.